Hey everyone, welcome to Refinery Life Church and welcome to another Tuesday evening teaching. It's Valentine's Day, so hopefully there's some people watching this evening. If not, I'm sure you'll see it tomorrow. Now if you're looking for a new church and you live on the Gold Coast, why don't you come and join us? We meet at 9.30 on Sundays at 23 T.E. Peters Drive at Broadbeach. And the Refinery is a, it's a friendly church and we preach the Word of God and they're the only two things that you should really be looking for if you're looking for a new church home. And why don't you join me now in the Lord's Prayer? When Jesus was asked by the disciples, Lord, teach us how to pray, this was his response. It's the model prayer, and we should stick to it just as they did back then. He said, Say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Such a simple prayer, isn't it? Some of us learnt that back in primary school and we still know it today. You know, every in every congregation... There's at least one person that's brokenhearted. One function of the pastor or the shepherd is to help bind up the brokenhearted. The theme for our Tuesday evening messages this month is, is there any good news for those who suffer? And we've been looking at Job. And today's message is titled, Is There Any Connection Between Sin and Suffering? Because that's something we're asked all the time. The text we're looking at is Job 2, 9 and 10. If you've got your Bible, open it up. Let's read it together. I'm reading from the New King James Version, but you can read from whichever Bible version you like. But it's important that you have one and you read it. Verse 9 says, Then his wife said to him, Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. She sounds like a joy, doesn't she? If you've got a husband or wife like that, stand fast. Don't deny God. Verse 10, but he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God? And shall we not accept adversity? In all of this, Job did not sin with his lips. So what he's saying there is, God's giving us good and we're accepting it. Should we not accept some adversity when it comes as well? And he did not sin. The scriptures we're going to work through are Job 2, 11 to 13. It talks about Job's friends. Now they were friends. They were, they were people who had Job's best interest at heart, but they gave some really bad advice. Let's read it. Verse 11. Now when Job's three friends heard of his adversity that had come upon him, each one came from his own place. Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuite, and Zophar the Namathite. For they made an appointment together to come and mourn with him and to comfort him. So it started off well, hasn't it? Job's friends are like, Job, our friend is in trouble. Let's go and comfort him. That's a good thing. And when they raised their eyes from afar, we're in verse 12 now, and did not recognize him, they lifted their voices and wept. And each one tore his robe and sprinkled dust on his head toward heaven. 
Verse 13, so they sat down with him on the ground seven days and seven nights, and no one spoke a word to him, for they saw his grief was great. In fact, it says very great. How hard would that be for us just to sit and not say anything, just be with our friend who is suffering? Let's pray for our offering before we go any further. We love to pray for our offerings at the refinery, so if you've got a seed and you're ready to sow, the details will be on the bottom of the screen. Thank you, Father, for the privilege of giving to you and for the glory of your name and your cause. We pray that you lift our church up. The words of Jesus are so true, it says it is more blessed to give than to receive. Lord, we thank you for this heavenly blessing this evening. And it's in Jesus' mighty name that we pray today. Amen. Amen. You know, when disaster struck the house of Job, his friends came at great trouble and inconvenience to themselves to counsel him. Job's friends held that traditional thought of the day, which we spoke about last week, which in many respects is still held today. They believe that God always rewards righteousness. Some of us know that that's not always true. They believe that God always punishes wickedness. Now, we certainly know that that's not entirely true, especially while we're here on earth. They perceive that righteousness always pays off with peace and prosperity and popularity and plenty and permanence. Job's friends saw God as a judge. Many people in the church these days believe that God is a judge. They understood him somewhat in terms of his being a prosecuting attorney or maybe even a policeman. They believe God to be an executioner. They believe that God's law was self-operating and self-executing and that if you found yourself in great pain and suffering, it was proof that you were a great sinner. Some of us still believe that today, right? The writer of the book of Job challenges all of our simple solutions to the complex questions that plague us when we are faced with pain and trouble. The easy answer is usually... The incorrect answer. And while recognizing that sin ultimately results in suffering, when you study the book of Job, you cannot help but conclude that not all suffering is a direct result of sin. And Job is an excellent example of this truth. So let's look at some things this evening. The first one is Job was a good man who did not deserve to suffer the suffering that he was suffering. He didn't deserve it. He suffered the loss of his worldly property. He suffered the tragic death of his children. He suffered the absence of an empathetic wife. We should recognize that when she came to Job and advised him to commit suicide, she was suffering from deep depression herself from the losses that her family had sustained. Still, it wasn't good advice, was it, to tell him to commit suicide? Job suffered the misunderstanding of his sincere friends. He suffered indescribable pain. Is there a connection between sin and suffering? That's our question this evening. The answer could be yes, and the answer could also be no. Our second thing this evening is Job's suffering is ascribed to Satan. Job did not know that his pain and suffering had been brought 
on him by the activity of Satan, though, did he? Nor did Job's friends realize that Satan was responsible for his suffering. Both Job and his friends believed that sin always produced suffering. Consequently, his friends concluded that because Job was suffering, he must be a great sinner. But Job knew in his deepest part of his being that he had not sinned in a manner that would provoke God to pour out such suffering on him. In the midst of his agony, Job gave voice to some of the very painful and pointed questions. Some of the questions that we may have even asked ourselves. How can a man be just before God? How can I stand before God? Why does God not come to me in my time of pain? Have you heard these questions? Maybe even ask them yourself. Why will God not listen to my pleas? Why does God let things like this happen? Job was plagued with the agony that many experience when undeserved suffering threatens their very existence. If God is all-powerful, why do these things happen? If he is love, why does he permit bad things to happen? We've heard the world ask us those questions, right? The traditional answer during Job's day was that God does good for good and he does bad for bad. And many people today still hold on to those ancient ideas. The other side of the coin, however, is that many of us expect favourable treatment by God because of our virtues and our high self-esteem. Many are becoming dignant with God because of suffering and want to know what they have done to deserve what they're going through. To the problem of why innocents suffer, the book of Job doesn't give us a complete or satisfactory answer. Our third thing this evening is the painful problem of undeserved suffering. It hurts. From before the days of Job up until the present, men and women have grappled with the painful problem of suffering. We've come to recognize that while sin will produce suffering, not all suffering is due to sin. Pain and suffering assault us from all directions. Natural disasters produce suffering. I believe we're going to see more of them too. Many suffer because of historical decisions made by different countries in the world. Ancestral choices bring pain on descendants. What's in our bloodlines? The Hindus and the Buddhists have built their whole philosophy on the question of the responsibility of pain and suffering. They believe in reincarnation and say that pain is inevitable because of evil deeds and conduct in a previous life. They encourage kind and benevolent behaviour to improve one's lot in a future existence. Religions have been built on that stuff. Medical science can shed much light on the problem of pain. One doctor said, we differentiate between pain that serves as a useful purpose and pain that serves no purpose at all. Examples of pain that serve purpose a pain in the side that indicates appendicitis, a pain in the back indicating a herniated disc, or difficulty in chewing, saying that we've got a bad tooth. That's a pain that serves a purpose. And some pain serves no purpose at all. For instance, a muscle tension headache. That's not warning us of anything. It is a job for a doctor to differentiate between pain that serves useful purposes and pain that is useless. 
We have several choices when faced with a problem of pain, don't we? We can ignore it. However, this can cause further damage because pain is often a warning of a serious physical condition. If you've got pain because of appendicitis, you need to do something about it. We can investigate the causes of the pain and we can do something about the pain. These are our choices. But a lot of pain comes from our own free choices, doesn't it? It also comes on us indirectly from the exercise of our freedom. We have free will. Therefore, we do some stupid things. We also experience pain because of the free will or the free choice of others. You know, someone decides to go through a red light and crashes into your car. You're experiencing the pain of their free will. We experience some pain because of the good choices that other people make when accidents occur. Some suffering also occurs because of the activity of evil spirits. It's not always evil spirits. Some physical pains or evils may be God-given warnings of greater physical harm to come if we don't change direction. Not all pain is bad. Some physical suffering may be used by God to warn us against moral evils. C.S. Lewis said, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, and shouts in our pain. So with shouts in our pain, it is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. When we're hurting, perhaps God is shouting at us. Some pain and suffering may be permitted as a condition of producing spiritual refinement in our hearts and in our lives. You know, when, when God's chipping those rough edges off us, when we're getting sanded back to a nice smooth Christian, there's a little bit of pain in that. And that's okay. As we finish up this evening, we have no satisfactory solution to the problem of pain and suffering. Our great hope is, and our steadfast faith must be, in God, who throughout the record of his self-revelation in the scriptures reveals himself as the God who is for life and health and relief from pain. Revelation 21.4 says that in heaven, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away. Doesn't that sound good? We should think of heaven not only as a destination, but as a way of life. We can have heaven here on earth right now. God is at work in the world to bring heaven into the present for those who will trust Christ and obey him. If you're wanting to see heaven on earth, you need to trust him and obey him. We can trust God to help with the problem of pain and suffering. We really can. We can believe that he hurts when we hurt. We can believe that he weeps with us when we weep. And we can look forward by faith to the day when pain will no longer be our lot. I'm excited about that church. I don't know about you. You know, I really want to encourage you as I do every time we meet to be diligent with your Bible study time because God has so much more for us than we can get from just going to church once or twice a week and hearing about the word. Yeah, I'm not saying don't come to church. I'm saying you need more. When you spend time with God, your life will change in amazing ways because God is a redeemer. There's nothing that's too hard for him. 
And if you allow him, he can make you whole, spirit, soul, and body. And you're important to God. You know that already, but you're also important to us at the refinery. So when it comes to prayer, we believe that God wants to meet your needs and reveal his promises directly to you. So whatever you're concerned about and need prayer for, we want to be here for you. Even if you just want to say hi, you can contact us on www.refinerylife.org or via any of our social media channels. This year, 2023, is a year of divine restoration and divine recovery. So I believe everything that's been taken from you will be returned as you get closer to God and start trusting him and start obeying him. And until next time, stay in the blessings.